The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jagan. Presenting Season 9, Avalanche. You Always Hurt the One You Love, Part 2. Written by Mercedes Lackey and Dennis Lee. There was nothing left in him, in the wake of suppressing the pain, for Red to do, or think, or feel. It was all consuming. The pain was there, right on the verge of some ungodly threshold, and it required all of him to keep it away at a distance, lest it rob him of what remained of his sanity. Only in the quiet moments when Doppelganger paused, allowing his healing to catch up and recover, could he spare a thought for anything else. Mostly his thoughts fled to Victrix. She was safe, at least for now. It had been worth it, the grueling hours of being cut into, pierced, flayed, waterboarded, and electrocuted, just to see Victoria escape. He was tiring, though, and he suspected that his resolve in this was slipping. It was worth it. Of course it was. Wasn't it? Of course it was. Was it? Of course it was. And in those quiet moments, Doppelganger chose to hover over him with a beatific smile, and the torture would shift to her vile words. I do this for love. She said that a lot. Let go. Let it wash over you. That was another good one, whatever it meant. Torment is something to be experienced, understood in its purest form. Only then will you conquer it. Red couldn't quite grasp that one. She had brought him to the limits of the most traditional forms of torture, just shy of killing him, and he was convinced she was still not satisfied with the results. The first few times he had almost broken, he had foolishly entertained the thought that surely it was enough. Whatever her intentions, surely she had inflicted enough on him to achieve whatever sinister objectives raged through her diseased mind, but each time she simply muttered in disappointment and had resumed her work. This time she laid down her tools with a sigh and folded her arms upon his bloody chest, resting her head on them playfully. This really would proceed much faster if you stopped fighting it, you know. His eye had nearly swollen shut, but he forced it open a crack to glare at her. Oh, sure, he wheezed. I'm a real trooper, not dying on you yet. No, love, she said, pouting. Not death. Not ever. Not for you. I mean, you're resisting. You're still fighting the pain, still keeping it away. We will never get anything done without it. She leaned forward, and Red felt something cold and edged brush against his cheek. He steeled himself, expecting a fresh onslaught of slow mutilation, but Doppelganger only chuckled. No. No, she cooed. That wasn't my knife, silly boy. Just a keepsake from the man you beheaded a couple of days ago. She leaned back and caught the pendant that swung from her neck. Her eyes lingered on it, appreciating how it gleamed in the stark glare of the overhead spotlight. Vesuvianite gemstone. Not uncommon in Hungary, though they're usually not this rich shade of green. Like jade, wouldn't you say? He once told me he loved me too, you know. I thought I felt the same. It was a different time, and we were young. All that we did. All that we shared. It's hard to believe how little I feel for him now. But at least there is a little, enough to dig up this small bauble, a memento of a different time, and wear it in his memory. 
she chuckled. Bela once told me it was the focus of all his magic, and that if I wore it close to my heart, I would carry him with me. He told me if I gazed long enough through it, I could catch a glimpse of my future. I thought I was wise to the ways of the world, but at the time I really was a naive child. But who knows? He was the magician, not me. Perhaps there is something to it. She leaned forward and let the pendant brush against Red's cheek again. Have a look, my darling. Tell me what you see. Red forced his eye to open again and glared at her. I see. He coughed and began again. I see. My hands ripping your head off. Typical genie bravado. She shook her head, disappointed. Your feelings are understandable. I have been inflicting a lot of suffering on you. But could you do it? Really? It's just us here, you know. You can be honest with me. It wouldn't be the first time. I'm still the girl who, in the midst of some truly memorable nights... You bared your soul, too. You remember? Sometimes it was almost religious, like we were taking turns in a confessional. And the thing of it was, we knew the other wasn't spinning some tall tale to impress. We were hearing truth. Our pasts. They betrayed how kindred we are. We understood. And we forgave each other. And, oh... It was like I finally had met someone where that connection was just fated to happen. Someone who had experienced the same loss, the same sacrifice, who had been so utterly betrayed by this horrific world. She paused to lay a hand on his chest, carefully avoiding his exposed heart. You felt it. I know you did. What we shared... You can honestly say you could kill me? Even now, that you wouldn't hesitate? I'm still her. I'm still your Mel. Your... Red coughed again and almost choked before he spat out a mouthful of blood. You're not Mel. You're right. Doppelganger nodded. I'm really not. Would you like to know my name? My given name? I could care less. Carolina, Doppelganger offered. My name was Carolina Schaefer. I was born in the small hamlet of Reidering near Munich in 1908. I was a German spy following the Great War, a Nazi meta-warrior in the next, and I have experienced more in my days than you could ever imagine. Except love. You, Red Genie, are my sole link to love. And I tire of this, of waiting for you. If you will not submit to it freely, then you force my hand. Before... I desired nothing more than your body and its potential. Now, I have a dream of us, of us walking this existence together as one, and I will have it, even if I must force it upon you. She lifted herself off him, bounding to her feet and landing next to a trolley lined with hypodermic needles. She ran her fingers along them and selected one, seemingly at random. She turned back to Red, the needle held high, and approached him slowly. This is a cocktail of various muscle relaxants, a few neuronal suppressants, and one very powerful drug that's sometimes used to encourage the truth by unskilled interrogators. At this dose, it isn't widely used, as it tends to cause cardiac arrest in most victims. 
on matters, especially one as physically robust as you, it might cause some minor discomfort, minor arrhythmias at best. However, it will completely abolish any sense of willpower you have left to muster. Red stared at her in horror. That's right, Red, she said. You fought it well, but I need you to feel the pain now. All of it. Red began to thrash about, struggling madly against his restraints, but she ignored his attempts and plunged the syringe down into his heart. He froze, staring down at his chest as she pressed gingerly down on the plunger. And then he began to scream. Doppelganger withdrew the needle and stepped away, out of the light. Heal, my darling, she sighed. Heal and feel every exquisite moment of it. Heal, and we can begin anew. And there, in the shadows, as she watched him writhe and shriek in complete agony, she began to sing. Somehow, he had robbed her of her will, and with it any ability she had of suppressing the pain. His allies had left hours ago, she had given them what they wanted, the location of four safe houses, the identities of a handful of sleeper agents, and where she had hidden a few of their documents, stolen in a lucky turn of events that week during a rather dull charity ball for the Muvaset Tarsha Shaganak, hosted by Prime Minister Gombos himself. They had taken it all, and she found herself almost giddy in the thrill of handing it over to them. Whatever Bella asked of her, she was happy to oblige, and more. She would do anything for this man, and each service she performed for him only heightened the anticipation of the next. So she was somewhat surprised when he returned her to the stone slab. She didn't see why it was necessary. Her will was his now. Whatever he wished for, she would gladly provide. She strained to watch as he tested the restraints. Her expression was one of curiosity as he opened his leather satchel, and began to remove his surgical tools. "'What are you doing, beloved?' she had asked. "'Our work is done, my dear,' Bella had answered, his fingers twitching in excitement. "'I believe I have earned something of a reward for my efforts. I have arranged it so that we will not be disturbed. It will be just us for the time being.' "'Oh, wonderful!' She gushed. What do you have planned for us, my love? For me, he grunted, wincing as he tightened her restraints. Not so much for you, though you will require your mind back for this. He raised a clenched fist, muttered a few words, and let his fingers fly apart with a flash of light. Carolina shook her head in confusion, as if awakening from a long slumber. Why are you doing this? she asked, her voice small and trembling. What more do I have to give? I have already given you everything. Bella reached down, grasped her hair, and pulled back, hard. She cried out and grimaced as he pressed his face into her neck. Not everything, he whispered, running his lips along the nape of her neck and resting them just above her ear. Sometimes magic can be a crutch. A useful tool when time is of the essence, but a bit of a cheat, I'll admit. I haven't seen the extent of you or your metal. I haven't experienced everything there is to you, my beautiful doppelganger, that can be hurt, damaged, broken. Perhaps there are parts of you that cannot be broken, the thought of it intrigues me. The mission was to learn everything you knew, and I've done that. Now this time is for me. I wish to learn everything else about you. Carolina stared at him in confusion, and then in horror as he held up a scalpel to the light. He turned it over in his hand, admiring it, and peered thoughtfully down at her. 
I wonder, he mused. I wonder how long before the pain becomes familiar to you. Will you continue to scream? Or will you accept it, even embrace it, as one would an old friend? Let's find out. Together. At some point, Red realized he had stopped screaming. He opened his eye and saw her lay a bloody surgical saw down on a trolley. The pain was everywhere, yet it seemed muted, manageable somehow, and for the first time in what seemed like forever, he was conscious of his own breathing, of his surroundings, and he shuddered in relief. He couldn't tell what she had been doing and looked down at himself. He couldn't help it. He saw parts of him exposed, things he really shouldn't have been able to see, with peculiar probes inserted here and there, each connected by insulated wire to an odd device that looked like a cluster of Tesla towers erupting in a multitude of directions from a common point of origin. Arcs of electricity danced across its surface, and he let his head fall back, closing his eye. You going to tell me what that thing does? He croaked, and shuddered again as a million points of pain erupted again throughout his spent husk. Does it really matter? She asked, and he felt a fresh sense of alarm as she climbed on top of him. I promised you a few truths. Here's a good one. Didn't you wonder how, all of a sudden, Jensen was able to unearth a key piece of evidence to put you away? His investigations were taking a tad too long, and I had a schedule to keep. A little anonymous nudge here and there got him looking in the right spot. It solved a couple of problems. You were getting that look in your eye, like you were ready to bolt. Needed to lock you down, and it didn't hurt that the video evidence pretty much shattered whatever reputation you had earned since your arrival at Echo. I suppose it was too much to ask for everyone to have given up on you, but it certainly made them hesitate. That was all I really needed. A little time, enough to get you here, alone, abandoned. She leaned back, shifting her weight from his groin to his nearly dismembered legs. Here's another one. I didn't choose you, Red. We were meant for each other. Did you never recognize more than a passing resemblance between our abilities? Shapeshifting is hardly a common meta-power now, is it? Granted, you believed your ability lies just in your skin, but... Recently, you've been experiencing new facets of it, things that go deeper, like your new and remarkable healing ability. We all seem to have heightened healing to some degree, but yours goes far beyond any that I've seen. Did you never wonder where it came from? The masters call it adaptive advancement, as a meta-powered being evolves by experience, by necessity, it can call upon reserves to rise to new levels. Usually this process is slow as abilities begin to ramp up when needed. Some begin with heightened abilities far above their peers. Your echo ranks this in quaint op levels. Some beings come into new powers, new abilities through outside means— Take Bull, for example. His new enhanced skeleton is quite an upgrade, but that was mostly through Bella. Very few metahumans actually experience a sudden eruptive blossoming of metatalent, taking something relatively mundane and catapulting them to near godlike heights of power. I'm guessing you did, Red muttered. I did, she nodded. I didn't begin so different from you. It took a man who tortured me, who took me to the very limits of human endurance to open that door. Unending, searing, and indescribable pain, coupled with the unforgivable torment of being nothing more than someone else's plaything, it was the final stage. Pure helplessness. Less than a puppet, really. 
I was nothing, and I knew it. That is what you will be for me now. You will be nothing to me, to be used and tormented and thrown aside afterwards. How you must feel, how you will feel. I remember it like it was yesterday. You will feel everything. Know that I won't stop. There is nothing I won't do until you understand what I went through that day. But it doesn't make sense, Red croaked. Why me? If we're so much the same, why not someone different? What can I give you? She favored him with a thoughtful look. Everyone has a counterpart, she continued. All the stories point to it. One meta appears, another pops up with just enough to make the fight a challenge. There is balance in this, and the masters do love a show, don't they? There are no coincidences here. We were given these gifts for a reason. But the masters can't control everything, can they? Sometimes repetitions come into play, and I've suspected something for much of my life that my counterpart will bring me completion, will bring me something that everyone, even the masters, have searched for since time immemorial. We are destined to be the first red, to join as one, because we are kindred souls with kindred abilities. Alone, we are just two warriors on opposing sides, doing battle for the amusement of others, Together, I believe the synergy will be immaculate. I believe we might become immortal. Immortal? Red gasped. Yes. Together forever? Yes. Yeah. You can kill me now. That would be such a waste. She tutted. After all this time, all this effort to snuff out your potential now. When I first laid eyes on you, I knew it. The long wait was over. Everyone else had their counterpart, it seemed, except me. Eisenfaust had Yankee Doodle, Ubermensch had Red Savior, Valkyria had Dixie Belle. But where was mine? It hardly seemed fair. When I saw you, I knew it had finally come. You were my destiny. And unlike the others, I had a way to truly make you mine. Of course, you weren't ready. You are, I think, on the cusp of it, finally. Just a nudge or two more, and we will see the genie rise. I don't... I don't think you want that. Red muttered. He turned his head to her and marked her with a hate-filled glare. You asked me before if I could do it. If I could end you without hesitation. Just give me the chance and I won't stop until I put you down. I'm counting on it, she mused. If nothing else, it should be a notable fight. I doubt anyone is watching this part. With the exception of a few quotable battle cries... The masters do not have an appetite for dialogue. They prefer straight-up violence. And as much as I hate it sometimes, it does pay to stay high in the ratings. Masters, Red groaned. You keep mentioning them. Who are they? All in good time, Doppelganger said with a smile. If things go well, you will meet them all, perhaps even come to know a few as friends. I know a few who would love to meet you. You've become a bit of a favorite yourself this past year. You do have a way of getting yourself into horrific battles, being beaten to a pulp, but usually coming out on top. Some of them remember a time they could relate. So good of you to want to share me, Red grunted. Oh no, my love. 
she said. Make no mistake. You will be mine, and just mine. But I will offer you another truth. Before this is done, you will be offered a choice. To join me. It may not seem like it now, but I think you will want to. You will experience something no other living thing has, except for me. So when I say that your perspective may change in that moment, trust that I am speaking from experience. Certain things, small things, won't seem as important anymore. She lifted herself off him and began to sing as she gathered her implements together. Again with that stupid song, Red snarled. Whoever told you that you could sing must have been the most tone-deaf, polka-loving. It is a song from my youth, she said, dismissing his scorn. It translates poorly to English, I'm afraid, though one line does rather shine through. Meine Natur, ich kann halt lieben nur und sonst gar nicht. My nature, Red murmured. I can only love and nothing else. Very good, she grinned, her eyes still focused on her tools. I used to think it meant something else, that my only role was as the seductress, the trickster, the spy. And then I met you, and things changed. I changed. Before, it was for power, for domination. Now, I do this and everything for love, for you. I will have it all, and I will have you forever. She turned back to him. But first, you will have to understand. You will have to know just how little you are. Her device sent fresh and mounting currents of pain coursing throughout his body. Red barely noticed as she mounted him again, riding him, writhing. He tried to look away, squeezing his eyes shut and turning his head as far as he could against the restraints. She didn't let him. With one hand, she snapped his head back and pried his eyelid apart, forcing him to look at her. You are nothing, she cried. You are mine, powerless. Scream your terror, your frustration. All that you are, everything you ever held precious, is gone now. From now to the end of days, this is all that you will know. Forever mine. Forever mine. Forever. Mine. Forever mine. Forever mine. She didn't even realize he had finished as his words faded away with his exhaustion. The pain persisted. He had even increased it somehow. But it was nothing to her now. He had taken her to the limit, and the endless agony had robbed her of any sense of feeling. She was numb to it all. All that was left, the one thing that could possibly remain, was a sense of self, but even that was slipping away. Beg me to stop, he gasped, reluctantly lifting himself off her. Ask for mercy. Please stop, she said, her voice tired and lifeless. Please have mercy. Ah, no, Bela cried, and drove his hand sharply across her cheek. She didn't react, her expression only seeming weary and distant. With feeling, you ignorant sow. Please stop, Carolina repeated, louder, but with the same monotonous tone. Please have mercy. You are nothing but a puppet now, Bella muttered. You lack fire and there is no enjoyment in taming a dullard. Perhaps... He ran one hand through her hair and placed the other atop her head. Perhaps I need to give you a little 
to get a little. He muttered a few words and exhaled in delight and desire as energy coursed through his hands. Carolina gasped as she felt her mind come alive, her eyes coming into sharp focus and resting their gaze on his with renewed strength and fury. And it didn't stop there. The fire in her mind was spreading, and she felt a growing inferno seeping down through her chest, to her heart, to her limbs, to her hands. Much better, Bella cackled. I can feel your hate. Struggle, my dear. Fight. Speak of all the horrid things you wish to do to me. He stopped, his eyes bulging, as her hand flew up, snapping off the leather restraints like they were made of paper, lunging for his throat. His words of triumph crumpled into gurgles of pain as she squeezed and pulled him down, until their heads were almost touching. Enough talk, she whispered. Let me show you instead. Doppelganger saw the fire begin to fade from his eye and reached back to turn off the machine. She bent forward, still straddling him, and gently cupped his face in her hands. Beg me to stop, she purred. He didn't answer. He barely looked at her, and there was no challenge there. There was simply nothing left in him. She pulled herself off him and unfastened the leather restraints. She reached down beneath the stone slab and unlocked the steel band that held his torso in place. There now, she said, resuming her place on top of him. You're free. You said it yourself, my dear. All you needed was the chance and you would put me down. Well, here we are. There's nothing stopping you, nothing to hold you back, except yourself. Your one chance. Whatever will you do with it? Red didn't answer her. He didn't move at all, except for the labored rise and fall of his chest to keep breathing. Here, let me help you, she offered, and brought one of his hands up to her throat. Just... Squeeze, dear. Let me feel your rage. Red's hand hung lifeless in hers. Nothing, she sighed. She grasped his fingers and pressed them into the sides of her neck. When the genie didn't respond, she tapped them impatiently, driving his fingertips into her flesh. Really? Bad form, Red, bad form. We're so close to the end... And you're choosing now to take a breather? Where's that eternal drive and fire? There must be something left in you. All it takes is a spark. She leaned in closer. Or perhaps you've given up. Yes, I do remember feeling things along those lines. I think I actually did before the end. Doppelganger grinned, remembering. But then... I didn't have anyone else to live for at the time. Tell me, Jeannie, no matter what happens to you here, what do you think I will do next? I did have a primary mission, you know, one that hasn't been completed yet. There's a certain neurotic witch in Echo's employ, one who holds great interest for the masters. They have plans for her. Oh, my, yes, they do. But before that, they've asked me to carry out a few interrogations. I'm supposed to learn everything she knows. Doppelganger's grin grew wider, and her eyes sparkled with malicious glee. Given what you've experienced over the past few days, however do you suppose I'll do that? Red's eye opened a crack. I don't suppose she will last as long as you have, Doppelganger mused. But you never know. I've already learned the hard way not to underestimate you echo hero types. Yes, yes, I know you don't think of yourself as a hero. Red genie, rogue mercenary, we get it. 
But that's hardly the truth now, is it? And don't try to deny it, Red. I know you far better than you think. The truth is, you are a fiercely loyal, compassionate man who will stop at nothing to achieve the redemption you so secretly long for. So now, now that I've seemingly taken away all the strength you have, it's time to prove it. Or are you willing to let Victoria suffer as you have suffered, and more? You see, after I'm done with her, the Masters will have something far more insidious in mind with what's left of her. Everything she is will be stripped away. Her body, her personality, her individuality. All that will be left, all they are interested in, is the knowledge base of her mind. The rest will be cast aside, like scraps from yesterday's dinner. She felt a faint tremble in his hand, and her heart leapt as she felt his fingers fumble around her neck. I'm guessing you don't like that idea. Well, that's just too bad. It will happen, Red Genie. Victoria Victrix will be ours. She will be our slave to do with as we please. Funny thing about the transference procedure. I hear it isn't quite perfect. They will eradicate much of her true, but there is always something left of the individual. Something vital that can best be called a ghost in the machine. And that ghost will remain, caught in the consciousness matrix, helpless and screaming, forever. She heard a low moan escape the genie's cracked lips as his fingers tightened their grip. It was time. The genie was ready to claim his power, to make him worthy, to bring him to... She felt his hand go limp and fall away. She stared at him in disbelief. He had lapsed into unconsciousness. A fire began to burn deep in her stomach, and she felt herself flushing with emotion. No, not just any emotion. Rage. How dare he? After all the work she had put in on him, all the time, the effort, the devotion. How dare he just give up? She slapped him. Again. A third time. There was no response. Nothing. With a piercing scream of mingled anger, hate, and frustration, she ripped Bella's pendant from her neck. What did you do? She howled at the gemstone. How did you do it? How did you make me? I did it all. I made him feel everything I did that day. I brought him down to nothing, and then I lit the spark. What else was there? What did I miss? In a burst of fury, she brought the pendant down hard on the stone slab. There was a flash of light as it shattered, and with a cry she felt herself thrown back by waves of concussive force. She crashed into a table, sending her assorted blades and implements flying, and landed unceremoniously in a heap on the floor. In a daze, she brought herself onto her hands and knees. It was dark, pitch black. The explosion had destroyed the spotlight. The explosion? What do you know? She gasped. There was some magic in that gemstone after all. She froze in stillness. A few items continued to fall around her, knocked over by the blast, and landing with ringing clanks and clatters on the ground. But beyond them, she heard something else. An odd sound, like yards of knotted rope straining against an irresistible force. He was on her before she heard him move, catching her with a heavy kick that sent her flying back. Doppelganger grunted as she felt the edge of the stone slab bite into her back, and she crumpled again to the floor. To get to Victrix, you have to go through me. It was Red's voice, his voice, but deeper. It was almost sinister, and it was a far cry from the near lifeless husk he had been just seconds before. Can't say I like your odds, Red drawled. I'm pretty sure only one of us can see in the dark. The world had gone dark for Bela. 
At some point, his eyes had swollen shut from the onslaught. There was only his broken body and how every part of it wailed in pitiable suffering. The only place she had left untouched was his throat. He supposed she had left it alone so that she could delight in every cry, whimper, and scream, often laughing as his pleas for mercy were met with more brutality. He lay there, mangled, listening to her pace around him. He imagined the end was near. Through it all, the only thought that had persisted was that this was impossible. He had broken her, in body and spirit. He had given her something near the end, true, some small spark of anger and vitality, but it didn't explain this. It was nothing short of a miracle the way she had transformed. He had broken her bones, sawed through the musculature of her biceps, one of her quadriceps and deltoids. He had even exposed a femoral nerve and played it like a lute. She shouldn't have been able to move, much less walk, much less deliver a savage beating to a man nearly twice her size. But he was no longer twice her size. Perhaps he had imagined it, but she seemed much taller now, and bulging with muscle mass. It barely registered. Her attack had been so fast, so ferocious, that after the first few moments the only thing he could perceive was the pain. And still the thought persisted. It was impossible. She was impossible. Was it a dream? A nightmare? One where he had forgotten the cardinal rule of waking up before the onset of actual pain? He felt another kick to his midsection and dismissed that idea immediately. This was very real, and soon he would be free from the pain. He couldn't survive much more of this, and he realized he didn't want to. And then he felt her on him. He made a feeble attempt to resist and was rewarded with more pain in his arms and chest, flaring up as fractured and broken bones rubbed against one another. He lay still and felt her mouth moving along his jawline, continuing to rest just above his ear. So what do you think? she breathed. Think? he groaned. Think of what? Of my metal, she chuckled. Do I not exceed your expectations? You are not natural, Bella wheezed. I don't know what you are. And I suppose I have you to thank for it, she grinned. In just moments I went from nothing to everything. I don't think I could have ever imagined this. There's a clarity to things now with this kind of power, like a fog lifting from my mind. I don't suppose you know how you did it. You are, Bella croaked. You are not natural. I'll take that as a no, then. He felt her hand clutch the front of his robes and with ease lift him off the ground. This was it then, the end. He sighed and waited for her to finish him. He heard her chuckle as fingertips caressed his face. I think I have much to do here, she said. Too many secrets exposed and so many men must perish to rectify the problem. I suppose a bit of overkill will be needed. I will probably have to do their families, friends, and acquaintances as well. It's going to be a busy couple of weeks. You. He looked at her incredulously. You still care for your mission? Of course, Carolina shrugged. Call it professional pride. I set out to do something, and I don't stop until it's done. But after, oh, you have opened up new worlds for me, Bela. The possibilities are endless. And when I am ready, I hope you will be too. You really are like no man I have ever met. I think there is still much I could learn from you. Be well, Bela. We will meet again. She released her grip, and Bela collapsed back onto the floor. With tremendous effort, he forced an eye open to watch her leave, marveling at her silhouette as she approached the door to his private dungeon. 
She really was taller and powerfully built. She paused in the door frame and glanced back at him with a smile. She was unmarked, her flesh as pristine as a newborn's, and her smile was radiant. I used to believe life could only be a struggle, she mused. An endless battle where anything and everything was yours only if you kicked, gouged, and screamed bloody hell for it. Perhaps not. Perhaps things come to those who wait, who are patient. Perhaps the universe provides. I am interested to find out. She tossed her hair back with a flirtatious wink. And with that, she was gone. Red was astonished at how much he could see now, even in darkness. In the absence of visible light, he found himself bathed in the glow of the far reaches of the electromagnetic spectrum, Past the infrared heat signatures he had previously depended on for his radial awareness, he found he could see all frequencies with a bizarre clarity that might have driven him mad from the sensory overload. And yet, he could process them all, even focus to exclude the unwanted noise of microwaves and radio frequencies, to grant him a clear picture of his surroundings, all with his eyes closed. His eyes, both of them. It had been a shock to feel his body knit itself back together with astounding speed, but to feel his ribcage reform over his heart, for muscle and sinew to reconnect and grow, for his eye to regenerate in its socket, the only way to describe it was glorious, like a holy fire spreading throughout his entire body. There was pain in it, of course, but his mind had detached himself from that pain with absolute ease. Everything was easy now. He was faster, stronger, and, strangest of all, his body seemed to be malleable. It was unnerving how he seemed to have absolute control over each part of himself. At first, he was content to merely pound on Doppelganger, watching her as she floundered about in the dark, unsure of when and from where he would strike next. At one point, she had taken a breath and gotten to her feet, her stance relaxed but at the ready. He had stepped forward, and he marveled how she had cocked her head, sensing his attack, and was able to deflect his blow with a raised arm and counter with a sharp jab to his midsection. He hardly had time to realize she wasn't exactly defenseless in the dark, perhaps drawing upon some older, scarcely used martial training, when he felt his torso simply soak up the blow, like rubber, and reflect it back at her. She reeled back, surprised, and then shrieked as Red took a moment to gouge her eye with his thumb. She stumbled, slipped on some debris, and went down hard in a bloody heap. He watched as she scrambled to her feet, dimly aware that she had picked something up. He cringed as the world seemed to explode around him in a wild heat. He staggered back. The room was blinding, sudden and brilliant with waves of light, casting stark shadows that trailed from a single point— Instinctively, he raised his hands to shield himself from it, and paused, confused by the mixed signals. The light and heat had a point of origin, concentrated in one spot. It wasn't the room, after all. It was Doppelganger. She had found... He felt a heavy boot connect, striking hard at his abdomen, propelling him backwards. He slammed into a wall, and in that moment of reprieve he reset his senses, dialing them back to normal. His radial awareness flickered and collapsed, and when he opened his eyes, he confirmed his suspicions. In her mad scramble, Doppelganger had found a weapon. She held it in front of her, a harsh beacon of directed blue fire. A blowtorch. Just hours before, she had used it to cauterize some of his wounds. Now it served a different purpose, as a source of light to even the playing field. He looked from it to her face, sinister in the pale glow, and saw that she was smiling. She had also grown, in height and mass, a juggernaut of coiled muscle and primal rage, though the effects of it seemed diminished somehow. Astonishing, she said, flicking away a dribble of blood from her mouth. You are all that I hoped for, and more. Wish I could say the same. Red growled. Is it me, or are you not even remotely as scary as you were the last time? 
I remember telling you your perspective would change. Ugly is ugly, lady. Don't see how my perspective would change on that. Months and months of lovemaking, Doppelganger offered innocently. Tough to be scared of someone you know intimately. Don't remind me, Red shuddered. No, you just looked bigger before. Of course I did, Doppelganger chuckled. Look at yourself. See yourself, your true self, as I always have. She held the torch higher and pointed to her left. Red glanced over and saw his reflection in the remaining shards of a broken floor-length mirror. It appeared he had grown, too, like she had. He was taller, his body seemed ridiculously stuffed with excess muscle, and his face. He gasped and approached the broken mirror, his hands reaching up to feel the now smooth, pristine skin covering his cheeks and running down to his unmarred neck. It was his face, his real face, a lot more mature than it had been the last time he saw it, but he could see the ghost of the teenager in the man in the mirror. It looked, well, it looked. Well, what do you know? Red marveled. I look. You look freaking hot, Doppelganger said, beaming. For some reason, I thought you really would look a bit like the clown. Instead, it's more... Mm, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, Red agreed. Better hair, though. Better everything, she said. You feel it now, don't you? You feel everything about you is superior. And more, there's truth to it. This is you, the real you, finally. Everything you have gone through in your life, everything that was torn away from you has brought you to this. She lowered the torch and strolled up to him. He met her gaze in the fractured reflection, unmoving as he felt her hand travel up his arm and rest gently on his shoulder. There is peace in this, Red Genie. Many things have been open to you. What you're feeling right now, the awe of it, it's only a fraction of what could be. This transformation, it is only the beginning, a doorway to experiences you can't even imagine. You only have to accept it, and we can discover everything this existence has to offer. Together. Red turned to her, speechless. His expression was one of confusion, and Doppelganger felt a brief moment of alarm as he raised his hand and rested it upon hers. I... he began and faltered. I lied before. Yes? I... He closed his eyes and shook his head in resignation. I... Yes, Red? He grasped her hand in his, and Doppelganger leaned forward, ready to accept his surrender, to her and to her sweet promise of everything he could possibly desire. She gasped as Red locked his hand around her wrist and squeezed. I guess I did hesitate, Red snarled and slammed her into the broken mirror. It won't happen again. Before she could blink, he was on her, bellowing his rage as he rained blow after blow down upon her. She had no defense against his ferocity, even with the remnants of his stolen healing ability. Wounds opened and began to heal, but not before his blows had inflicted a dozen more, and he felt a coldness creep over his heart for this woman, this thing. For months, she had manipulated him, worming her way into his life, learning his secrets, and finally using them against him, to hurt him, to break him, to hollow him out in an attempt to curse him in perpetuity as her puppet. Worst of all, she was a threat to Victoria, and would forever be, unless he ended her now. Doppelganger continued to struggle, somehow finding her feet. She raised the torch again, lunged forward recklessly, and rammed him with it, scorching his flesh. 
With a grunt, Red kicked her off and examined himself. She had left a round, perfectly symmetrical burn mark on his chest. He watched it bubble for a moment, dimly aware of the pain and the horrible smell of cooked meat rising from it, when it suddenly darkened and expanded. He touched it briefly. It was tough but pliable like rubber, and still it was expanding. No, not expanding. It was growing, spreading. In moments it had covered his entire body, a sudden layer of armor. Adaptive advancement, Doppelganger said, and coughed as she spit out a wad of blood. I burn you. You become fireproof. Will wonders never cease? You talk too much, Red muttered and advanced on her. Isn't that your type? Doppelganger asked. Or do I need to be blonde, too? He didn't let her finish. He was past rage. He felt nothing as he batted the torch from her hand, nothing as he lay into her with his fists, nothing as he knocked her about the room. The torch, forgotten on the cold cement floor, carried on in its capacity as a makeshift beacon, casting an eerie blue glow on the room where hulking shadows continued to flail about and slam into one another. It was over soon enough. She struggled to rise, shuddering with rasping coughs, when her legs simply failed her and she sank to the ground again. Red reached down, caught a fistful of her hair, and pulled her up. He drew a hand back and felt the claws burst through his armor-clad fingertips, ready to be plunged directly into her heart. And again, he hesitated. Perhaps it was how helpless she looked and felt, dangling pitifully from his hand. He knew who and what she was now, but as she looked up at him with her tired eyes, he remembered how it had been between them, not so long ago, and he felt the cold certainty that her death was a necessary thing begin to crack and waver. It was probably safe to say that she knew him better than anyone ever had. They had shared pretty much everything there was to be shared in a very short time— from the ethereal glory of reckless passionate nights to the soul-searching conversations and cathartic musings that only came in the quiet moments before dawn, and pretty much everything in between. As part of a team they'd watched each other's backs, with that unspoken trust inevitably forged in the line of duty. But it was more than just that, of course. Did he love her? Despite all that had happened in the last few days, how she had taken him to the very edge of sanity and perhaps beyond, he suspected he did. No, he knew he did. And so he hesitated, his claws at the ready, and pondered the finality of what one sharp thrust could do. You still can't do it, can you? she croaked her bloody lips curling up in an obscene grin. No, of course not. It's not really you, is it? It never was. You need to be in a certain place for it. You need to be ice cold, completely removed from it all, in a place near death or shocked into such a primal state where there's nothing to hold you back. No meaningless moral compass. None of this rubbish about redemption. An hour ago you could have done it, if you'd had the strength. But now you are saturated with life, with hope. You don't have it in you to end me. Weakly, she reached up with her hand and laid it gently on his cheek. He didn't recoil from her touch and only held her gaze with his own, confused. Let's see if I fare any better, she whispered, and sighed as she reached up to embrace him. At least, that was what he thought. But she kept growing. Her limbs contorted, grew boneless, flattened. She took on mass faster than he could comprehend it, and suddenly he realized he wasn't being embraced after all. She was enveloping him, like some sort of giant amoeba. He had just barely enough time to realize this, and then it was too late to do anything about it. He had just enough time to understand that it was too late. And then she absorbed him, 
just as she had absorbed his claws the first time they had fought. Darkness and horror closed in. Their eyes rolled up into their head, and they collapsed to the ground. Nearby, the torch began to sputter as the fuel tank ran empty. It gasped one last flash of light and was extinguished, plunging the room into utter darkness. You've been listening to The Secret World Chronicle, written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Narration and production by Veronica Jaguer at VoicesByVeronica.com. Quality review and production assistance by Laura Nicole at ResonantMoon.com. Music by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series is released under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 4.0 license. For previous episodes, check out secretworldchronicle.com. The Secret World Chronicle is published by the fantastic people at Bayon Books. Find fellow SWC fans on the Facebook group at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Secret World Chronicle. And as always, thank you for listening.